y'all. I'm Gretchen Purser, and this is The Mess is Mine, the podcast where we talk about religion and politics and all the things you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table. Thanks for stopping by. Y'all, the elections are finally over, and we survived 2022. Hallelujah. Welcome to my special holiday edition. Um, This is the time of the year where we all stop and reflect upon the things we're grateful for. And I just want to say I'm grateful to you all for listening to this podcast, for giving me your time and your ears, for sending it to your friends and family, and for being so generous uh, with me over this last year and the year before. I'm just super grateful. Uh, If you get a minute to pop on over to Apple Podcasts, it would really help a lot if you would leave some stars and leave me a review. Um, It just helps other people that are looking for political podcasts to find us. It just helps me rise up in in the Apple ratings. So thank you again for that. I really appreciate it. Also, if you have questions or things you'd like for me to cover, go to the website and leave me comments there and I'll get right back to you. So I don't know about y'all, but I am really picky about my Christmas stuff. Like I like Christmas music only in December. Like people who start playing Christmas music early, that's upsetting to me. And then like the movies, I love Christmas movies, but I really can't watch Christmas movies until my decorations are up. So I don't know. I I'm, I'm, I'm have weird rules. I grew up watching those creepy claymation shows, but also The Grinch and Charlie Brown. My kids love Elf. I mean, who doesn't love Elf? Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Thanks, Mr. Narwhal. But the other night, one of my husband's favorites was on. Love Actually. Do you all know that one? It's got all your favorite Brits. It's Hugh Grant and Colin Firth and Emma Thompson. The movie kind of weaves together little vignettes of all these different people's lives, gives you a glimpse into their struggles and their experiences. And at the very end, there's this beautiful scene at Heathrow Airport where you realize that all of these lives are somehow intertwined. They're all connected. And as cheesy as it sounds, and I know it's cheesy, but I don't care because it's Christmas, I feel like this election season, a lot of Americans put party aside and took the tiniest step toward coming back together as a country. We didn't fix everything, and it's not all behind us, but we took a step in the right direction, and that is something to celebrate. So today we're going to do a quick recap of the midterms and see what happened and see kind of what it all means going into 2024 and what it means for the Republicans and their de facto leader. But first, let's head south one more time down to Georgia. So a lot of people wonder, why do we spend so much time in Georgia? Why is there always an election going on in Georgia? Well, first of all, there was a special last year. So you had two senators on the ballot in 2020. And then there were runoffs in both of those elections, which is how we got Warnock. And then Warnock had to run again because that seat was up this time. That was the special election. It was up this time. And because nobody got over 50%, there was another runoff. So what I want to do real quick is explain the origin of the Georgia runoff so y'all understand what it's rooted in. But I bet you can guess. Now, just so you know, this law is not everywhere. It's just in Georgia and Louisiana. So the way it happened in Georgia was that in 1964, there was a segregationist named Groover who lost his bid for re-election and blamed it on the black vote. So he got a law passed that said you had to exceed 50% of the vote in an effort to dilute the power of the black voting bloc. Theoretically, in 1964 Georgia, the white people would vote for the white person and the black people would vote for the black person. And black people were in a minority. So if a crowded field was reduced to just two candidates, the black candidate would never exceed that 50% mark. 
Now, as we've talked about ad nauseum, we're in a 50-50 country. I mean, it's pretty well split between Democrats and Republicans. So it's really hard to get over that 50% mark if there's a third-party candidate taking 2 or 3% of the vote. And that is why we're always in Georgia. That's why we've been in Georgia six times in two years. Now, I don't know if Denmark Groover is still alive today. I'm guessing he may not be, but much to his chagrin, if he is, the two Senate candidates on the ballot in the state of Georgia were both black. So his little racist runoff thing really was all for naught. And even though the Republican candidate said things like this. But I'm going to tell you something that I found out. A werewolf can kill a vampire. Did you know that? I never knew that. So I didn't want to be a vampire anymore. I want to be a werewolf. But then. I mean, y'all, bless his heart, but it was still a squeaker of a race. It was way closer than it should have been. And look, I know the Republicans wanted to win this seat, but it felt a little bit half-hearted. I heard somebody compare this to like if your kid's playing Little League Baseball and you've got a weekend-long tournament and you just secretly hope that they lose in the first round so you can get your weekend back. That's kind of how it felt for the for the GOP with this Senate runoff. They knew that if they won, it would be kind of a little bit better, but they weren't going to get the majority back anyway and then have to spend the next six years answering for Mr. Werewolf. Okay, so that was the runoff. Now let's talk about what happened in the rest of the midterms. Now, as you already know, the president's party almost always loses ground in the House in the midterm elections. That happened 18 out of 20 times in most recent years. And I don't know if y'all remember this, but Obama in 2010, he lost 63 seats. Okay, so they were expecting Biden to lose control of the House, but maybe not by all that much. And then the closer they got to the election, they started predicting maybe 30 or 40 seats. Turns out that the Republicans did take control, but they only won nine seats. Okay, that's the House. Let's look at the Senate. History would dictate that Biden should have lost the Senate, but everybody knew it was going to be close. What they didn't really expect was for him to hold it and then gain a seat. Biden is actually the first president since 1934 to not lose a single sitting senator from his own party. Try saying that three times fast. That might make sense if he was super popular, but y'all, his approval ratings lurk in the high 30s. So what is it? What is the reason for this? Is it because America's suddenly in love with the Democratic Party? Uh, I don't think so. If you take a look at the five key states that we talked about in the last episode, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Ohio, all those candidates were handpicked by Trump, all of them were endorsed by Trump, and all of them lost, except for J.D. Vance in the Senate race. Every single one of them. Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, Herschel Walker, Mehmet Oz, Doug Mastriano, Adam Laxalt, they all lost. Tudor Dixon lost. What do these candidates have in common? Trump. But not just Trump liking them. It was undying fealty, loyalty to Trump, defending Trump, claiming elections were stolen, telling lies. All of these people fell in line to get his endorsement because they thought that's what it took to get elected, and it backfired. And you know what else? The Republican candidates that Trump trash-talked, like Kemp and DeSantis, they won in what would essentially be a landslide by today's terms, by 10 and 20 points, respectively. So what does this mean? Does this mean the Republicans have broken free from Donald Trump? They'd sure like you to think so, but I don't think it's going to be that easy. Let me give you an example. So I was back in the homeland, back in Oklahoma last month for a family wedding, and I had somebody ask me if I was still a Christian because they knew that I had not voted Republican in the last presidential election. And I, my, after I picked my job up off the floor and laughed a little bit, um, 
it's just so funny to me. I, I, you know, I feel like I wanted to say, yeah, why don't you worry less about putting Christ back into Christmas and worry more about putting Christ back into Christians? Let's do that. P.S. I didn't make that up. I saw it on a bumper sticker or something, but I thought it was fitting. I mean, the very notion that my faith would be questioned because I didn't vote for Donald Trump. It's, you don't really get any more upside down cuckooville than that. But it makes sense if you look at it from the other side, from the evangelicals' perspective. When you're told your entire life that good Christians vote Republican and there really is no alternative, that's what you're going to believe. It's not really all that complicated. You just got to speak the language. And if you don't think Donald Trump still has a stronghold on this evangelical base, I got news for you. Just yesterday, I was walking through the kitchen and the news was on. And my old boss, who works in the Christian political field, uh, was on television describing Donald Trump as the most pro-life, pro-Israel, pro-Christian president we've ever had. Full stop. Now, mind you, this is like less than a week after his little anti-Semite dinner party at Mar-a-Lago and the Trump organization being found guilty uh, of all charges of fraud in Manhattan court. And also Trump's suggestion that we threw out the Constitution. And it's not like my old boss didn't see the news. He knows. It just doesn't matter. You know what matters? Winning. Winning is what matters. Everything else is just details. And so the only thing that will break the spell and and break the Republican Party away from Donald Trump's grasp, maybe the only thing that saves them in the end, if it's even savable, is losing. And they did a lot of that this cycle. So... It's kind of a Christmas miracle for them. They may not know it yet, but all these losses in the midterm elections might just end up saving the Republican Party. And like I've said before, we need two healthy parties in order to have a good, healthy two-party system. Let's stop rooting for people to fail and start rooting for people to succeed. Let's, let's hope that they can be the best version of whichever side they're representing. It's just better for everybody that way, right? All right, I've got one holiday pushback for you, and that's this. If you've got family and friends who are hardcore Republicans and they were just rooting for somebody that just you think is just a terrible, horrible person, including but not limited to Donald Trump, don't rub their nose in it. Just 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 let's have some grace. Like, let's all move forward. Allow people some room to to turn around. I think there's a lot of people out there now that are embarrassed for their unwavering belief in and support for Donald Trump. I think they they really, he turned out to be exactly who we all thought he was going to be, but they didn't think that. They, they didn't think he was going to be that guy. So let him off the hook, will ya? What's that saying? Every time you let a Trumper off the hook, an angel gets their wings? Something like that. Two more good things for you. Number one, Time Magazine, in case you missed it, Time Magazine named uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky Person of the Year, which I cannot imagine that there's anyone more deserving. And the very last thing, and not nearly as important as world peace, but still important, college football playoffs. My Vivi girl's down in Athens, so I hope you will join me in rooting for her Georgia Bulldogs for their upcoming playoff game and their second national championship game. Go dogs! All right, well, that's a wrap for today, y'all. I want to keep it short and sweet because I know it's a really busy time of the year. I hope that you have the most amazing holiday season. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all the things, all the happy things. As always, I hope the sun's shining wherever you are, unless you're hoping for snow. And if that's the case, I hope you get a lot of it. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you in 2023.